You are now listening to the 100% Elite Podcast with your host, Jeff Engler. What is up, everybody? It is your captain back at it again for another episode of 100% Elite Podcast. This is episode 58, and it has been another great week of AEW content, just jam-packed full of stuff. Another episode of Dark was huge. We got a little bit of news. Uh, A Dynamite uh, just ended as we're recording this podcast and uh, my guest today, the host of the Can Heat podcast, Mr. Zach Preston, a.k.a. Freshly Squeezed Orange Zachity. What is up, buddy? Hello there, Jeffrey. What's going on, everybody? As the man said, it's your boy, the Freshly Squeezed Orange Zachity. I'm stoked to be back here where it all started. The guy, my influence right here, Mr. Jeff Engler. Great to talk to you again, brother. Oh, yeah, for sure. We got a lot of content to go into. Uh, Just so you guys know, if you are listening on an Apple device, just scroll down, rate this five stars, uh, leave a review. I will be literally reading whatever reviews you guys give on this podcast, giving your names, shout outs, uh, whatever you want to do. But yeah, five stars. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe, do all that stuff. Find me on Twitter at jengler eighty eight or the official 100% Elite Podcast Twitter page at 100ElitePod. Hit me up there, post, uh, you know, what you think, uh, what you got going on, or your homework for this week for me, and I will let you know what I think of that episode. Uh, So let's get into a little bit of news. I only got a little bit of things. Obviously, uh, AEW announced it during Dynamite, but I found out a little bit before. uh, TNT is producing the AEW Awards Um, so you guys can go vote now at bleacher report.com and do all that stuff. It's going to be on January 27th at 7 PM on bleacher report. Um, so that's pretty exciting. AEW awards one year down. I mean, a little more than one year, obviously, but uh, a lot has happened. Uh, some title changes, some, uh, injuries, some people gone, uh, all types of stuff has happened in the world of AEW. Um, the other little thing I have, so Chris Jericho, um, uh, Matt Jackson and Nick, ja- Nick Jackson, ugh, Nick Jackson, God, uh, have all, you know, started to talk about how they tested positive for COVID last year and had really bad cases of it, uh, for Nick and Matt. Uh, they were, uh, Nick especially was, um, really, really bad, uh, with it and couldn't, taste or anything for like a month um afterwards and then chris jericho actually had no symptoms whatsoever he didn't even know he had it uh when he went even like went to go get tested he had no symptoms nothing went wrong with him so it's very crazy just everybody stay safe uh and all these times and stuff like that so uh what do you got buddy yeah man just to touch on that it's uh this stuff is very real i think a lot of people think it's fake and i don't think we should confuse real or fake with severity or not severity i think even though folks can for the most part have mild cases i just think we should all do the humane thing and just make sure we keep 
you know, our loved ones and all of humanity safe. I mean, it's a really, really simple thing. So as, as you said, let's just all be safe out there. As far as news is concerned, uh, only one piece. This is just a report. It's not, as far as I know, it's not confirmed, but there's rumblings that Dalton Castle is officially a free agent. So that's kind of fallen in the big splash of free agents, as we've been talking about lately. I know as Jeff has touched on and Jay White and Marty Skrull. So consider Dalton Castle a part of that now. So um, a lot of eyes on those three guys and, and many more to see where they'll end up. Um, but that's pretty much all I've got for the week so far. Yeah, I get Marty Scroll. I think Mar- the whole Marty Scroll thing was I think they were saving face on the fact that they just fired the booker of their fucking company and mm-hmm. realized what he has done is actually he tried to justify it. There's a video out there of him like literally like, oh, well, it was this. So this isn't a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, no, dude, you're a fucking weirdo. Uh, but mm-hmm. Jay White, if WWE is really, really big on him right now, they're, they've been in talks with him. Please don't go there, Jay White. You're just going to get buried. We've talked about this last, or I talked about this last week. <laughs> it was ridiculous how, how the, hopefully he either stays, goes to AEW. Like those are his only good options where he's going to get exposure, get money. And uh, yeah, I mean, the good matches is what, what he's going to go to get. He's going to have to go to one of those places, obviously. But uh, yeah, uh, no, dude, my sister and, Everybody, like her whole group of family over there in Kentucky, they all got COVID. It's a real, it's real deal. So, uh, but yeah, this isn't a, <laughs> a science po- uh, podcast. So uh, <laughs> let's move it along. Our our first match on Dark, let's get right into Dark, everybody, uh, was Mike Verna versus Ricky Starks. Easy, super clean, fast spear for the win, man. He, he just rocked this uh, Mike Verna. The man of steel is, uh, is his gimmick. Do uh, you have anything on this? Yeah, you know, not much as far as the match is concerned. As you said, this was clearly meant as a display for Ricky Starks. <laughs> um, I follow Mike Verna on Twitter. I was really stoked to see him get this opportunity. The guy's been working hard for many years. So, uh, you know, hats off to AEW, as you and I have talked at extent in the past um given the opportunities to guys during this this time and i'm sorry guys and gals during this time it's just great of them but i think he and danny limelight were like sharing ring gear or something like that we'll get into that (laughs) but uh i know you you wanted to talk about this fuego del sol match you told me before so why don't you move into that uh yeah ryzen versus fuego or ryzen and fuego del sol sorry versus jurassic express now uh, you know, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are, are my key Jurassic Express. We'll get into uh, Jurassic Express later, but with Marco Stunt. Um, dude, Fuego Cell coming out with the blue gear again, not looking like a fucking bag of flaming hot, uh, you know, <laughs> flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> uh, he looks a lot better. Actually, his match was really good. Uh, Jungle Boy turning Fuego inside out with that big clothesline. Luchasaurus has great comebacks in this match literally there's a point where he's just tossing people over the ropes um into uh <laughs> into Ryzen right there uh there's a fucking sweet poison rana from fuego yes. del sol dude yes it was killer um and obviously that assisted power bomb for the win well it wasn't actually a win jungle boy had to just all of a sudden get the snap um the the snare trap that's what it was snare trap yep. submission i don't know why he didn't just finish with their double team he had to put the the submission on afterwards 
Like it didn't, I don't know. It seemed a little extra to me. Yeah, I agree. I think it took away, like that's a super impactful assisted power bomb. And then to come from that when your opponent's defeated uh, is, is a little strange. Miro sometimes would do that where he would do, you know, in his old days as Rusev would do like just some dominating moves and to just put him in a camel clutch for them to pass out. It's always a little anticlimactic for me, but uh <laughs> No, it was kind of along those same lines, but you hit the notes that I was going to hit. That Poison Rana was so sweet. That was one mm-hmm. of the things I wanted to talk. I actually thought he was going to pin him on that. That was a seriously close near fall, but this was a nice tag team match, man. Yeah, it I really mean, was. Ryzen even looked good in this. His gear uh, is definitely getting a lot better as as we see him more and more. Uh, he just needs to change that hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know you hate that. So, I mean, this was sandwiched by a couple quick matches. Uh, you talked about the first one. The next one was the Ty Conti versus Marty Daniels match. Ty Conti obviously coming into this match to get the rub before her NWA title showdown with Serena Deeb on Dynamite that we just got finished watching. So, this match was pretty much all Ty Conti. Uh, Marty Daniels didn't back down from this match. I mean, she never just like, you know, sold to get or to be jobbed out, if you will. But again, this is all Ty. She hits the Ty KO for the win. Um, not much else in this match. Uh, do you have anything on this? I did, dude. The sweet arm dragon judo throw combos in the beginning of this was awesome. And uh, this girl, Marty Daniels, reminds me of that WWE girl. Um, shit. She got her house, like, broke into. Sonya Deville. Sonya yeah. Deville. Yeah, and even they just have, like, that similar look to them. This girl was obviously... Um, she was from somewhere else. You could hear her accent. I just couldn't really make it out if it was Australian or if it was like, uh, yeah, either way. Uh, still look good in this match. Uh, I really like uh, Ty Conti, man. She's, she brings it in almost every single match she's in. Those kicks look uh, devastating. Uh, but, yeah, the arm drags for me were, were a highlight for this match. Um, after this, we had... The Dark Order, actually, like the whole fucking thing besides uh, Reynolds right. and Silver. Um, it was boom, boom, Colt Cabana and uh, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, five Allen Angels, and press 10 Vance, uh, just 10, uh, versus a fuck ton of nobodies uh, besides the captain, Sean Dean, Zach Clayton, Adam Priest, Danny Limelight, and uh, Vary Morales. Um Pretty much fatality for the win after a five-man, like, fucking crazy combo. Big boots everywhere. But this match was, I mean, it was uh, it was all over the place. There was a lot of good stuff. A lot of people got highlighted. Danny Limelight looked great in this match. Um, obviously, Stu looked great. Evil Uno had a really awesome stalling German suplex uh, that he caught. Uh, did he caught? Limelight. I think he caught Limelight in that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fucking killer. Yeah, Lim- Limelight took Limelight took a, a big beating this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get more on Danny Limelight later. Uh, but yeah, what did you have on this big five on five? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it had the match going into it had a lot of things working against it. And one that you had a team that has never teamed together and just a collection of guys. Um, but this one actually spaced pretty well. Like you said, you know, all the guys got a chance to highlight themselves. I, uh, Danny Limelight's another one of those guys that's, uh, you know, been really deserving as well as a couple other guys on that team. I'm not familiar with with the other guys on the team uh, before uh, Dark, but they all look good. I mean, they all got their chance to shine. But of course, this was going to be Dark Order's night. Um, you hit all the 
pretty much all the good notes on the match. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, but we moved into a powerhouse Hobbs with that damn snarl. Don't you love it, man? Um, taking on Louis, Louis Val. So this was just a very clearly a powerhouse uh, Hobbs powerhouse moment. So it's the world's strongest slam. I love it, man. I love that. He's using Mark Henry's finisher. I think that's fucking sweet. I think, uh, you know, he deserves to use it. His story is great. I'm not sure if you saw his interview with Mercury, um, you know, but essentially talking about his upbringing and, you know, how essentially he got to where he is and how he wants to be a good role model for his son and all that. So it sucks when you read those stories because you're like, man, I'm supposed to hate this guy because he's a heel. But like he's really like a real dude, obviously. So you like him. So I'm really happy to see him here. I like that they're getting behind him. They seem to be starting him at the bottom which is good um, and hooks with them. So I guess they're going to get hook involved here soon. We haven't seen him in the ring yet, but outside of uh, Louis Val just getting dominated, I don't really have anything else on this one, man. Yeah. I mean, even hook got in some, uh, he got in like a judo arm drag throw in the outside of the ring there. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah. Using Mark Henry's uh, shit. Uh, I did get a chance to listen to that, but uh, the thing that, caught me he talked about it before about him his brother saving him from uh gunfire and that was my mm-hmm. whole pitch on the darby allen uh team up <laughs> power skeleton powerhouse hobbs <laughs> he could paint his whole whole body uh <laughs> with the paint like uh like darby allen did uh yeah but hey he he is the new face man we all know it i wish everybody was just a heel I like I like heel Hobbs. I think it's a great character. I was telling you when we were doing this uh, all the time together, I was telling you for a while that I saw that coming. So felt good when that actually happened because I've been missing a lot of those predictions. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> especially with, with the Dark Order this week, I think they're becoming faces, man. I, oh, I, certainly. I tweeted it out, man. No matter what Dark Order does from now on, we are. I guarantee every single fan is going to be behind them cheering especially when like full fans come back, they're going to get one of the loudest pops uh, for sure. The next match we had was Red Velvet versus Leva Bates. This was Leva Bates' best match in a while, and that's because Red Velvet actually pulled her through this shit, Um, getting the win over her too, running boot to the face for the win. Leva, yeah, looking a lot better, looked a lot more vicious. Uh, You could see her roots coming in. That's like my big glaring thing that I kept looking at uh, <laughs> through that blue hair. Um, do you have anything on this? Yeah, I mean, Leva gets a nice nice amount of offense in here. I mean, she hits that nice Northern Light suplex in the beginning of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, she hits, I mean, just super kicks the shit out of Red Velvet in the middle of the match. Um, that one did not look like it missed, so that was a good one. I think we see a lot of misses, but uh, you're right. Leva, Leva looked good. Saw her in the crowd again tonight on Dynamite, not wrestling, so hopefully they get her more involved. Um, there's some more stuff I want to talk with you about the AEW women's division later on in the show, but uh, good showing for Red Velvet. It's not the last time we'll see her this week. Um, but the, in any case, we move on to another Dark Order match. They're already carrying a 2-0 record tonight for Dynamite. It's El Australiano and Casey Navarro against your favorite Dark Order recruiters, the Beaver Boys, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Dude, Alex Reynolds is a gem. I, mm-hmm. This dude, I am telling you, is just like waiting, waiting, waiting for his opportunity to like shine. And you see all these guys talking about him on the internet, just like you haven't even seen like a fraction of the shit that this dude is capable of. Like it really shows. John Silver is a great worker as well. I... <sighs> I just, I really, really like these guys. I love their story with Hangman. This match was really great. Um, 
you know, El Australiano and Casey Navarro start off. They they have control of the match early. Dark Order, you know, gets their way back in the match like you would expect Dark Order to. And they're definitely playing the face card here, just like you said, you know, uh, getting the hot tags in, you know, wrestling from below a lot of times, which was really surprising for these guys. So you can definitely see that coming. Scorpio Sky's on commentary for this match, so you would have to think maybe they're going to move into a feud with uh, SCU later. But in any case, uh, Alex Reynolds hits the spinning fisherman's buster for the win. Uh, I think it was on Casey Navarro, if I remember correctly. I don't have that written down here, right? I believe so. One of those guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, one of those guys <laughs> took it. <laughs> oh, no, like it, it, was, it was the fancy pants dude with the horrible fucking gear. You don't like it? I love that fuchsia. I love fuchsia. I don't know why, but... Uh, no, the, uh, the that's fucking a, teal guy with the... He had, like, frilly shit coming off of him. Is that it? No, 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 no. That's not who took the pin on this one. It was that fu guy with the fuchsia pants took the pin on this one. Oh. Um that's what I remember. I can't remember who, which I think is Casey Navarro. Nonetheless, we're getting off topic here. Dark Order going to 3-0 and for the night on Dark. What would you have on this one, Jeffrey? Yeah, definitely. I've been praising Alex Reynolds for a long time. Uh, he's he's a killer, man. He really does. It's because he doesn't have the big personality is why a lot of people haven't been, like, you know, shooting his praises off like they do John Silver. John Silver is a lot of energy. He's a big old ball of uh, gimme, gimme, gimme. He, he's, oh, yeah. he's nuts. Uh, he's good in the ring. He really does. He's really strong, throws people around that he shouldn't. And, uh, but Alex Reynolds, I think is a, a better wrestler, man. I really do think he's got, he's got shit down. Uh, he looks a lot cleaner than most of the roster and his moves are powerful. They really do hit clean. He's never had like a big botch, uh, he had the one where he gets knocked out, but that wasn't his fault. That was somebody else's being uh, a little too crazy in that Butcher and Blade match. Um, but yeah, Alex Alex Reynolds uh, picking up a, a solo uh, pin here instead of uh, doing a, a combo move for the win. So nice. That Fisherman uh, Buster looked sick as shit. Uh, but yeah, I want to talk about this fucking E. Uh, who the fuck was that guy? L. Aus who the fuck was that australiano dude he literally had frilly he looked like tina turner in teal wrestling gear it was ridiculous <laughs> he did not look like a just a i don't know it was so silly so goofy um yeah <laughs> you got anything on that or do you want to move on Dude, you can move on. I've got nothing to... God, this green gear. <laughs> nothing to get. I was just looking at that shit like, what the fuck? Even Taz mentioned it. Like, what the hell is going on with this guy's gear? Right. Uh, the next match was the Varsity Blondes versus Lee Johnson and uh, Aaron Solo. This was a really nice snug match between them. Uh, Lee Johnson you know just he he got in a lot of offense and so did Aaron Solo uh the varsity blondes though man are are gonna be my once they get signed once they get signed I think it's gonna be their year from here on out because the varsity blondes gimmick is awesome they did a fucking like doomsday device drop kick it was killer um I really I really like them I like their their work later we'll get into their their shit later because they uh they were on dynamite this week, so I wonder, I wonder if his contract with MLW has been up, and they're just waiting to sign. I don't know when his MLW contract is up at all, but I am hoping that he gets signed. Griff Garrison gets that all elite, 
also if he's not already. I don't think he is, but it would just be nice to have them as a solid uh, tag team. I know Tony Khan has talked about he's not going to fire anybody in this pandemic, but once it's over, I think they're going to have a clean, a big clean house of a lot of un, unreally used people that they haven't, that they really don't have the show for. Like uh, bottom of the card people, I think are going to get the hey, nice, uh, nice working with you, but. I think we're. I think hey, we're look, done that'll here. be great for all the independents, though. That'll be great for the independent promotions. Yeah, and basically, dark right now is independent reels for them to go say, "Hey, this is what I've done. Uh, I can do your independent show," <laughs> or make their right and their cost higher. Right, and AEW does social media so well that like. It's really nice that like these people who are coming on for a few episodes of Dark here and there like will be able to carry that star power to get more eyes on that promotion as well. Mm-hmm. I love that when they do so. the 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 breakups of the YouTube where you it's literally broke up in segments, so I can literally go mm-hmm. through the list and write down all the matches, so I don't have to constantly like oh, pause. Okay, let's see who this is. <laughs> uh, but our next match right. was. 99 Wait. Anna J. Oh, you didn't even get hold to on, say anything. Hold on. I want to give you my <laughs> I didn't give you my notes on that. I just wanted to point out that was a really, really good match between the varsity blondes. Just wanted to point out on my episode three of the podcast, I gave Brian Pillman Jr. as my pick for the breakout star of the year for 2021. So hopefully it's a good year to him. Um, but I like this match. They did pick up the win. I don't think we ever said that. They did the uh yeah, the- top rope drop kick power bomb combo for the win there. Yep. So now you tell us about 99. Yep. 99 Anna J versus Alex Gracia. I really thought Alex Gracia was going to have a bigger, a bigger deal when she's beating people on dark and, uh, you know, moving on to dynamite. I thought they were going to push her a little bit just because she's great and she has a great look, but now she's been smashed by Nyla Rose and she's getting beat by, uh, Anna J do that dangerous J kick. Uh, was awesome. The Queen Slayer for the win, but a nice, quick little match. Anna Jay bodied up. She's looking great. Um, I really like seeing her and Tay Conti together. It's just like, Jesus, can you put more of that on TV um, or YouTube? <laughs> um, what'd you have on this? Hey, look, look, I'm with you on that. That's my big takeaway. It was. It did seem a little <laughs> suspect. I agree with you for Alex Gracia to kind of be fed to uh, Anna Jayla like that. It seems like if that was the, if that was the plan to put Anna Jay over so well, I mean, it could have been anybody to, to be on the other side of that. It didn't feel like it needed to be her. Um, So that was pretty much it. It was, it was all Anna Jay, like you said. So from there, we moved on to Serena deep taking on Tesha price. This was, this was a great match. I mean, both of these, both of these women are great workers. Um, Serena Deeb is just seriously such an underrated performer. We get to see more of her this week, and we'll get into that more later on in the episode. Um, but she is just a, a ring general. She is she works the mat super super well, and obviously she's a small girl, so a small woman, so you're not going to see her do a bunch of high impact maneuvers anyhow. So she definitely plays to her size super well. Uh, but Tesha Price, I mean, not to be counted out. This is fairly. This was pretty much a sprint of a match, but both women looked really good. In the end, Serena Deeb hits the neutralizer variation for the win um, for the one, two, three. But, uh, hey, look, hats off to both these women. Tesha looked great as well. It's called the Deeb Talks. 
instead of detox. detox. I even have that written down. <laughs> I have that written down. Yeah, it's a fucking sweet move. I love like she's really, really uh, uh, mat aware is what I'm going to call it. But she's really like a, a real wrestler. Like she puts in real wrestling mm-hmm. into her matches, which makes it just that much better. Um, I really like Tesha Price, though. I, li- I think she has a good look. I think she's had great matches. Uh, she's had some fluke matches, but I think that was more of the other people in the ring than it was her. But this was a great match. Great little sprint, like you said. Um, I, I I like Serena Deeb. The NWA championship getting a lot more time than the AEW champ. After this fucking segment of Dark, we're going to get into some shit here. Uh, because after this, uh, Baron Black and Nick Camarado versus Bear Country. Um Dude, Bear Country, two big guys just going after it. They had some killer double-team moves here, uh, especially at the end with that assisted splash for the win. On top of that dude's uh, fucking back, splashing down on the uh, on dude in the middle of the ring, Baron Black. But I like the thing where they snug the guys into the, the corner and literally piggyback ride Senton splash into the corner. It was... It was pretty fucking cool. Uh, what did you have on this and on Bear Country too? I haven't got to talk to you about them, dude. I love Bear Country. They have been, um, they have been wrestling together since 2017. Um, and it's there was also a guy named Bear Beefcake. I'm, I'm looking up more, and I think they call him Bear Boulder now. Is that what we're calling him, Boulder and Bronson? Um, but these, these guys are awesome, dude. I love their look. Um, I love their size. I, I mean, what's not to like about them? They, they look good. They move around a lot better than most big men their size. And, you know, this was essentially picking up their first win on AEW television. So you got to give them a hats off to that. Um, but other than that, I mean, what more can you say? I'm excited to see what the future holds for them. I'm not sure where they'll end up. I mean, they've been wrestling for a lot of promotions over the years, including CZW. But, you know, over the, essentially what the last month of 2020 and and so far in january they've gotten you know a few opportunities on aew and and well deserved i mean they're a good tag team yeah for sure man i really like their look it seems like they're giving them some wins to serve them up to one of the aew uh tag teams on a dynamite episode (laughs) basically what it seems like it's gonna happen it's really hard. It's really hard with these guy with these tag team of big guys. I mean, think about the great tag teams of the you know in the recent past. I I say if you will, there's not a lot of like teams of like two massive dudes where you're like, man, these guys were a dominant tag team and like fun to watch for a lot of years. You know what I'm saying? So I think they've got kind of got that working against them. So I do see them falling the way of that. Um, with the exception of your, of your, like your war machine, which eventually got neutered into war Raiders and the Viking experience and what the hell else you want to call it. Um, so I, I like these guys. I don't, I don't know where they'll end up. It doesn't seem like there's probably not room for them on AEW's roster. I mean, they have a stack tag team division already. See, I think they're going to cut people out of that tag roster and that's why they brought on the acclaim. They have the varsity blondes, uh, top flight. Up. Yeah. Top flight. I think they're going to cut some more slack like uh you know maybe th2 uh i I can see them going i could see um who else there's got to be some other tag teams that we're not thinking about that that are looks like they're breaking up best i mean they might be breaking up best friends as a tag team 
You well, know, that's just because with, Trent's uh, hurt with that torn pack. Right, Trent's hurt. So it, it's a good opportunity to get another tag team in there. And the Acclaim certainly has been been up and coming in top flight. Oh, which, dude, they're you know, incredible. We'll get, dude, Fucking... yeah, we'll get we'll just get into them right now, dude. They take on Chaos Project. Um, dude, Darius and Dante, these dudes, you know, they trained or they, they like cut their teeth like just down the river from us, essentially in like the Louisville, Indiana, Indianapolis area. So they're they're Midwest boys. Um and they're just freaking awesome. I mean, they're so young. They've got so much potential. They do remind you of a, a young, young Bucks, um, you know, with their speed in the ring. Uh, this match pretty much, I mean, was was all about them. You knew they were going to get the win on this one. They hit those, uh, essentially those, well, I guess they got those stereotope suicidas blocked in the beginning. But they started off fast anyway. Chaos Project, you know, they controlled actually a lot of the beginning of this match, which I hated because I hate Luther. You know, I hate Luther. Um, has he still grown on you? Oh, dude, I like Chaos Project now, man. They're doing some work. I love the – he got away from the head pointing, and they look the same now. They really mesh well together. And Luther uses Serpentico as a fucking weapon uh, most of the time. So it's it's just really fun. It's f- it's fun. It is. You know what I mean? I, it is fun. I think Top Flight's fun. There's a, a moment where Dante, like – jumps off of luther and then like hits this neck breaker and then ddt serpentico like immediately after it that's a sweet move um serpentico hitting a spear in this match actually mm-hmm. um and actually looked really really good uh he's still a small guy it's not quite as good as ricky stark's spear uh, but effectively uh top flight get the win they hit the uh, essentially a drop kick yeah <laughs> <laughs> a really, really weird end. Um, because I thought I thought Top Flight deserved a better ending than that, but it was good to see him pick up the win here over Chaos Project. Um, I know you like Serpentico and those guys. What'd you have? It's not that I like them. I just think that they've put in, they've been putting the work in as of lately to make me actually watch their match instead of skipping. I even skipped through the fucking Jericho one. I was like, oh, this is where I go get my food. Uh, on his, <laughs> on his, you know, thirtieth whatever, it was like, oh, this is the main event. I can just wait till the end and see what the, the end of the match is. But I will say this: Top Flight, um, they haven't won me over at all. I think they're, I think they're the type of guys where it's a lot of athletic shit that looks cool, but it looks like literally when you watch them, they don't have any personality, no pizzazz, especially the younger brother. Um, he looks like he's constantly, where am I supposed to be is what he's thinking of every single time he's in the ring. Like, what's my next big spot? Where am I supposed to be? He's always like, you'll see him hit a move and then you'll see him look to a corner like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm supposed to be over here now. And they're just not like when you, when you say that they're like the young bucks and stuff like that, I get that comparison just because they do the same exact moves as the fucking young bucks do. But in my opinion, they don't have any pizzazz. They're really young, so I understand why that is. But they just don't have any... They don't have a lot of psychology in the ring. They don't have any showmanship. There's not a lot to their matches besides just the big spots. That's the only thing I get. No, no, I get you. And you hit the nail on the head. They are young. I mean, they're 21 and 19. I think, but you know, they are doing the right thing. They're keeping them on dark for now. You know, they gave them, 
you know, time on dynamite to wrestle the young bucks. And that was very similar to the Cody Rhodes, Darby Allen thing, of course, uh, mm-hmm. that we've talked about in the past. Uh, but you know, they, this is, this is the space for them to develop. And, you know, obviously these guys saw something that they liked and, and top flight and they're saying, Hey, we're not going to give them a chance to go anywhere else. We're going to, we're going to take them and we're going to create them. They're going to be, you know, we talk about who are the AEW like made tag teams and you start to see guys like the acclaimed who are coming up and these guys like top flight mm-hmm. um you know and we're looking for those homegrown teams you and i have been talking about that since the start and it's great that they're like transitioning to that and we need to not do the old head wrestling thing and like just kind of let it happen naturally and just see where it goes i think no i i, I get that completely i've just seen so many people like put them over like they're better than the young bucks and blah 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 what what like WWE people say about the Young Bucks <laughs> is what this these tag team guys do. It's just a spot fest, and they don't care about the rules, and it's really, really noticeable. That's my take from it, and it's the only reason I'm saying this is because I think it needs to be said because they've been put on this pedestal already when they got in there. Like, oh, my God, Top Flight is so great. Look at all the cool moves. Yeah, but the dude literally stopped mid-doing something to turn around and go, oh, yeah, I'm actually supposed to be hitting this guy right now. It, You know what I mean? Just like little yeah. little things I, like I that. Hope- I hope that wasn't a shot at me because I have been saying that on my podcast. Like it does seem that tag team rules do not apply to the young bucks whatsoever. It's like, their... that is totally true, but it's their company. Like who I gives get a it. fuck? I get it. I, I get it, but I'm just saying it is like, okay guys, like every single match, like let's just do this thing where like the rules don't apply to you and you can do whatever the hell you want. So I guess we're just going to keep doing that. But it just it it's just a funny thing. That's all. I just pointed out because it just it just seems funny to me. I don't I don't mean that in a disrespectful way at all. I just no, I find no, it funny. No, no. It was and it wasn't a shot at you. I just you can see. I see. I see through that with the young bucks. I know sometimes they they're out there, but you have also got to realize, AW has a different set of tag rules than WWE has. This isn't WWE. This is AW. Like they have a ten second count. When they're in the ring, they don't have a the the, the short little whatever five seconds or Dude, whatever. they they go they go over they go minutes sometimes. I mean, let's not mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves here. Like I, I don't think so. I know they have a ten second count because I've said to myself, I'm like, it's been way longer than ten seconds, like several times <laughs> throughout their matches. Ten Mississippi, duh. <laughs> oh, I okay. That's that's what I was I was missing the Mississippis, of course, duh. So, uh, it's dark, right, man? We finish up dark. Yeah. Um. So, what I want to talk to you about before we get into our homework segment is this women's division, and I want to talk to you especially about that Abaddon match because I know you're really, really big on Abaddon and the Zombie. Uh, but if you watch all the matches she's been in, they're short. There's not a lot of shit going on in the match. I think she would be great in a cinematic style match or something along those lines to where her gimmick really plays in. Um, But I don't think she's a good wrestler. And I think that's what the problem is on on making a good match with Hikaru Shida. Because if you look at it besides the spot where she goes under the ring and then Shida doing the rest of the moves, it wasn't a great match. It was there. But it wasn't like this killer, oh my God, match where there was so much going on. It just seems like she, you know, people compensate for her work right now in AEW. Just what I've seen in AEW 
in what we've talked about on her dark matches where they come in there, somebody hits her a bunch and she turns at them and looks or does the dead man get up and then she hits like one or two moves and the match is done. And I just seem, I see all this hype for her all over Twitter and I'm just not in it. I'd rather see a Hikaru Shida or a, a Tag Conti or a Serena Deeb, somebody who can actually wrestle, Thunder Rosa, uh, even Shauna, when, once she got her rust off, her match, uh, the last match she did was fantastic. And Kylan King is even better than, puts on better matches than fucking Abaddon. I like Abaddon's gimmick. You know what I mean? I like the zombie thing. I think they should really do a cinematic match to where it's like Hikaru Shida really going to slay a zombie in like a horror style match. I think it would be awesome. What do you- yeah, I mean, you bring a lot of good notes up. And I to, to your credit, their, their match from Dark last year was better than their title match. Like by far, mm-hmm. I thought. Um, I was really disappointed with the title match. What I will say, a character like Abaddon, you bring up a lot of good points. If 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 your intent is not to put her over as a super technical or super great wrestler, you have to commit to that unstoppable character. She's doing yep. the things, like you said, like the Dead Man Rising, the Fiend-esque things where she's like no-selling big moves and what have you. Um, but they, but she, people are still able to beat her in the end. So like you... By not committing to like that unstoppable kind of character, you really like lose a lot of momentum. You know, you're not a WWE guy, but the fiend is a great example of that. You know, just a guy who is no selling everybody's biggest moves, like an unstoppable character. And then he gets neutered by Bill Goldberg um, last year. And it's just like, the hell are we doing? Like the mystique's gone forever. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. commit to those characters and like commit to the storyline and if she wasn't ready for the title, so be it. That's fine. Um, they could have done that with other women like building up to that. She could have had more of a storyline drawn out where you do the more cinematic things, the vignette things, you know, let her intentions be known because she doesn't talk. And so it's like, we've talked about this ad nauseum in past episodes, you know, it's hard to get behind somebody when their motives aren't clear. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like she's wrestling like seemingly innocuous matches. And then all of a sudden she's going for the title. Now me, I'm like, Oh, I'm a huge Abaddon fan. I'm stoked. She's going for the title, but there didn't seem to be a bridge. And she wasn't the number one contender for the title either when she wrestled for the title. So there didn't really seem to be a bridge between her wrestling innocuous matches and her gunning for the title, which brings me to my next point. And we can get into this now, or we can get into this later in dynamite. AEW has got to do a better job of building their own women's division. Why is the, you know, we'll get into the NWA women's match, but why is a match of that caliber being wrestled on dynamite for a belt that doesn't belong to AEW? It's very frustrating. Yeah. As an AEW fan. I I wonder what kind of partnership they have with this NWA women's title. I, you know, uh, it's just weird. It's weird. I think they need tag belts. I think they need to have, Something that these tag teams like Diamante and Eva Lee, Ty Conti, Anna Jay, uh, I mean, the list pretty much goes on. Um, uh, th- you know, people r- wrestling for belts would be, is what we want. That's what we want. You know what I mean? But like you said, the, the NWA belt getting more time on Dynamite this year alone than the AEW championship. Or, you know, most of last year, it was more... 
you know, Thunder Rosa coming here and putting on great long matches and the AEW women's title getting barely any. And, I, you know, I've been one of those people that's like, give the women more time. But at the same time, they only have two hours. There's going to be a third hour coming up. I just think once COVID's over and we don't have to, you know, keep paying, you know, Tony Khan doesn't have to keep paying our Lord and Savior. Tony Khan doesn't have to keep paying all these indie guys. He can build dark to be a more women's uh, heavy uh, show, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, tag belts yeah. for sure. No, I get, I get it, and we'll, like I said, I'm sure we'll have more to say when we get into dynamite here. But first, let's get right into the official homework of the week. All right, everybody, the official homework of the week for me is going to be AJ Styles versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, TNA Final Resolution 2006. Incredible match. Uh, what do you got? I also have an AJ Styles match. <laughs> uh, AJ Styles ta- teaming with Jerry Lynn to defeat Rainbow Express to become the tag team NWA tag team titles. That was on uh, t- TNA on July 3rd, 2002. You can find that match on Daily Motion. I'll go ahead and put it to the Canned Heat Podcast Twitter where you can find that match. But again, it was AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn taking on Rainbow Express for the NWA tag titles. And you guys know what to do with the homework segment. Tell me what you guys thought of the homework this week. Give a little review ski on the match. And uh, I know I talked about it before. The the uh, the reviews uh, of the, the homework that I was going to do, the reaction videos, are still coming. Uh, I've been working out the tweaks with uh, the, this whole YouTube thing. They keep... Uh, taking down a lot of my videos because maybe the image isn't too small. So I'm trying to get the right thing. I've seen a lot of reaction videos on every single type of content and they all seem fine. But for some reason it's like, uh, they just don't want me up there. So I'll figure it out. I'll get them up there and we'll start putting the homework, uh, review videos up on the hundred percent elite YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to get ready for more content coming at you. Um, but yeah, after this, we move right into Dynamite this week. Dynamite this week was uh, killer. You mean like a, an hour ago because we're recording this uh, this week right after Dynamite. So the first match was Eddie Kingston versus Pac. Um, Eddie Kingston has a little bit of a promo in the beginning talking about how he's basically just going to beat the shit out of Pac. Um, there was a strong start to this match. Uh, Pac, brutal back and forth. Um, the avalanche suplex really seemed to get into Eddie Kingston, his back. Uh, you can notice him selling his arm, but seemed like his, his hand was tingling. I noticed that in a lot of his matches, uh, that maybe he's got like a pinched nerve in his, uh, his shoulder or, you know, an old injury that keeps, uh, getting flared up during these matches. But, uh, it was just... It was fucking killer. The Black Arrow for the win, uh, putting on the Brutalizer after for a little bit more insult to injury. Uh, this was a just a awesome match. Uh, Lance Archer after this coming out to help and also say, watch out, Pack. I don't know. There was a lot of things he said in that that didn't really seem like the message was completely clear, but at least coming out to help for the time being. Uh, what did you have on this uh, beginning opening match? 
Yeah, just to touch on that Archer thing, that's been the M.O. for him. I mean, when they, uh, you know, before Pac went out for the couple weeks there, when they were originally restarting this feud, they had Lance Archer out there, you know, kind of doing the same thing where it's like, you know, the enemy and my enemy is my friend, and that's kind of the relationship that they have. So I, I think uh, it's it's good work from them. It, it's telling a story well. This match was brutal. Um, it was an awesome physical matchup to start the show. It's literally as if these guys sat in Gorilla before the show and said, look, we're going to come out and steal the show with the first match. I mean, that's that's what this match was like. It was great storytelling in the ring. I have a note here. Eddie Kingston is so underrated at selling. He is a really, really great seller. And, and just pack just seeing him in a one-on-one match and like this, it just reminds you of like how stupid talented he is. He's got to be a top five performer in AEW. I mean, he's literally the holy the the whole package. You got to give him a title run in the near future, be it TNT, you know, tag team titles with somebody, one of the Lucha Bros, or uh, or the World Heavyweight Title. I'm not necessarily saying this year, but like he's a guy that's best served like on TV. I mean, he's a captivating character. He's a great promo and he's just awesome between the ropes. So when we were talking about the finishing combos with uh, submissions earlier, the reason I love this one is because he like does this black arrow and brutalizes the back of his opponent before like wrenching it even more. And I just think they flow so well into each other and it's just, it's, it's brutal. I mean, the name says it all. So it was a hot start to dynamite. Love this match. From there, we moved on into Miro versus Chucky T where the stipulation was if Miro won, Chucky T would have to become his butler. And uh, I wish I could report that this was much of a match, but it wasn't. My only note on this match is poor Chucky T. This was pretty much all Miro. He submits him with the game over. And uh, this is the this is what I've wanted the Miro to look like since he started. Not like a Macaulay Culkin blonde, like, gamer. I think that, you know, to his – I don't know how to say this. I don't want to sound like a dick when I say this, but to me that storyline was like – has been kind of boring thus far. I mean, just to me, it's not, hasn't really been much better than the kind of boring stuff, you know, he was doing in WWE. So I'm glad he got a chance to look like a monster here, but it just sucked that it was at the expense of Chuck Taylor. Yeah. See the first, the first half of this match going into the picture in picture commercial was all Chucky T. He, I mean, he went, he was going after it, trying to chop this monster down. He even, uh, you know, got out of the way and uh, Miro smashing into the pole with his face. Um, but before I get into the rest of the match, I do want to say I think Eddie Kingston's so good at selling because before uh, these matches, he's literally telling these guys, beat the shit out of me because when I, whatever I sell, I want it to look real. And I think most of these uh, punches and kicks in this in those matches are just as real as real can get. Uh, but yeah, Miro uh, definitely hitting that, you know, the big Samoa drop to change the course of this match. Uh, the big belly belly uh, just tossing Chuck right behind him. Uh, the crescent kick and then game over for the submission win on this. And yeah, like you said, poor Chucky e. T, he's got to be his young boy. He's got to be his butler uh, until the end of Penelope and Kip's wedding. So we're going to get a wedding in AEW and it... It just doesn't seem fun at all. It doesn't. And Penelope Ford barely gets any time on Dynamite now. It's sad. <laughs> I don't see her on Dark anymore. It's sad. <laughs> oh. No, and I mean, Kip Sabian really hasn't been around a whole lot either. I mean, he's there in person, but... Yeah, we don't we don't get a lot of matches from him anymore, which is uh, which is fine with me. But still, 
put Penelope, put get her. Yeah, put I was about to say, I recall you always <laughs> utilizing that as an excuse to uh, see Penelope for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, the next match was, uh, or no, it wasn't even a match. Uh, Private Party and Matt Hardy arguing on uh, the money again, uh, going deeper into this stupid gimmick. Because uh, at first I was in, and now I'm like, this is kind of like the BTE segment where you guys just talked about the same shit for like five weeks in a row. I'm not here for this anymore. We get it. You're kind of shitty that he got you into a contract, but then you act like it's a good thing for like 10 seconds again. And then you go back to, but man, I thought we were boys. No, that's not the case. You guys move this along, move the story on either start feuding or I don't, man, it doesn't even make sense. Like, why do we why should we fucking care anymore is what I'm saying like it doesn't Matt Hardy has got a great gimmick the money Matt kind of with more arrogance he's super heel already just turn private party heel just make them dickheads with Matt Hardy doing their shit I know they got a match set up next week for somebody I didn't I don't care that's how much I don't care I don't even know who they're wrestling next week what do you have on this promo uh, they're wrestling um, Matt Seidel and uh, Top Flight. That's gosh, who it is. Top Flight. That's right. That's who they're beating next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, you know, it, it's it obviously is Money Matt. It's it's an iteration of the Money Matt character. If you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. um, I think his managing a private party is is a good move. Um, I think at this point in his career, he's he obviously can still do it in the ring, but he's better served helping out young talent at this point. Um, but the execution, as you as you said, is like kind of missing at this point. He just seems to kind of be belittling and berating them, and the imagery of that is like kind of kind of at times like cringe, cringeworthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he's yelling at them, and you're just like, okay, that just seems like not necessary. But uh, I get it. I think the execution of the storyline could be better. But uh, from there, we moved into the Inner Circle 2020 resolutions. Um, which was a really fun segment. I I was trying to take notes on this. I only got Jericho's, Santana's, and Sammy Guevara's uh, resolutions. Well, resolutions, so to speak. I think MJF made one first, didn't he? Uh, it was Hager. He was like, I want championships. Uh, championships. Just all the championships. All the gold. Yep. Yeah, I know Jericho. Uh, he His was, this is the year that Jericho and MJF win the AEW Tag Team Championships um santana ends up taking umbrage with that whole thing and essentially says hey you brought us here to be the tag teams which is kind of what i was thinking and uh sammy guevara comes in with the line of the night calling him jericho a tag team slut like <laughs> and then a fun little chant breaks out god i it's there's nothing better than having the live crowd there i oh, i yeah. must say that i thought that several times throughout the night um and and it, they're always electric during inner circle stuff when it comes to singing the intro or like being super engaged with what they're saying on the mic so that's always great um jericho resolves essentially to like temper this animosity and announces a three-way tag team match uh next week it's going to be he and mjf uh, it's going to go against proud and powerful and sammy and hager and the hilarious thing is Jericho makes a Sammy Hager reference and Sammy Guevara is like too young to get the reference and it goes right <laughs> over his head. And I thought that was really funny. Um, but I, why is Wardlow not wrestling? He beat Hager last week. So the only the guy who got the win is not wrestling. I didn't get that. Yeah, I just think he's like, eh, I'm too good to be in a fucking tag team. So let's just move this along. Uh, I like this segment. I really did. I like mm-hmm. uh, the inner circle 
kind of feuding with each other is a definitely change of of pace because their whole gimmick at first was we never fight we never get into it we never steal each other's finish we never accidentally hit each other and now they're doing all of those things um so good on chris jericho for the switch up making things and uh also proud and powerful man definitely we've been saying this for a long time why is jericho and hager wrestling tag matches when the inner circle has a tag team in their fucking ranks who are incredible but just to like sum it up i love this uh segment here it was great after this we had the dark order on what's next um knowing that brody lee is gone uh what what are they gonna do and and uh they're gonna have a tag match with uh, the entire dark order and hangman <laughs> joining and he can decide whether he's joining the dark order after the match whether or not he's going to join the dark order um you know what i i'm 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 here for it now fucking join the dark order he doesn't have the elite anymore and if you think about it all the misfits of the dark order are now doing great things like they were a bunch of kind of lost people lost souls and in Brody Lee brought them all together and built them up to these these I mean technically main event stars they pretty much all are if you think about it the only people maybe five and ten still are on their way but the way 10 was presented during that entire tribute show he's so fucking over right now it's incredible uh did you see all the Disney pictures so they took Brody Lee Jr. to Disney uh, Cody and Brandy and stuff like that but Preston Vance was there with him the whole way and it's just really awesome to see him kind of take him under his wing a little bit more and and step up as just a human being uh, it's pretty nice so I'm hoping these matches go well and uh, w- whether or not he joins the Dark Order is fine with me uh, I just hope Hangman uh, finds his way soon because Hangman's too much of a star to be on these back burner storylines. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting promo. Uh, the one thing that like really I think is going to take over this storyline. I don't know if you notice the subtlety of Boom Boom filling up um, Hangman's glass during this. And I think it's going to be one of those things like where they keep him drunk kind of, you know, <laughs> to like be in the dark order and i think it'll play out eventually to where he'll leave but i i, I wonder if that's going to be part of the storyline they've obviously focused on the fact that he always has a drink in his hand plenty of times so to me hangman was better as a solo act i think uh they're trying to keep him away from the title picture now because there's no point because they're going to keep this strap on kenny for a long time it seems like mm-hmm. um, so why bring anybody that's why bring a star like hangman up there if he's not going to win it you know there's no point in having him take an l you know, and to hurt his reputation. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, this is, this is good for everybody. Like you said, dark order, super over, um, hangman has not really been doing much outside of this dark order stuff. So, I mean, what better does he have to do right now? Um, but anyway, from there, we moved into a tag team match of the elite versus Danny limelight and varsity blondes. And like I said, I think Danny limelight and, uh, Mike Verna share, um, share gear because they looked almost identical uh so the elite (laughs) consisted of kenny omega and his best friends the tag team champions of impact the good brothers joining him and they are called the elite all my notes here i call them bullet club because it's just easier for me to see um 
but the Bucks getting slighted in the start, you could see they're watching with Tony Khan. It really bothered them. They beat up Danny Limelight really, really bad in this match. Um, he looked good on a little bit of offense that he got in. It's fairly innovative. He had that thing where like he ducked the uh, ducked the turnbuckle, moved and like jumped up on the middle rope and like kind of walked across it. I thought that was really cool and hit the uh, uh, I think Hurricane Rana from there. Um, he had a hot tag to Pillman. Uh, but I mean, that was really short lived. He tagged in Griff Garrison after that, and he just, you know, started getting dominated. So, pretty much, it's been all elite for the most part of that match. They're hitting great triple team maneuvers. Um, this was pretty much all Bullet Club. You figured they were going to get a match to tune up what they've got going into TNA, then, or I'm sorry, the next Impact uh, pay per view, but this was all uh, Bullet Club. They hit the Magic Killer. Well, Good Brothers hit Magic Killer for the one, two, three. Um, Justin Roberts calls him the elite after this match. I don't know if you noticed that. He said, here yep. are your winners, the elite. And you've got to think that pisses young bucks off because good brothers were never part of the elite. They were already in WWE when the elite formed, obviously. So, and nonetheless, Moxley makes his return. You figure he wasn't going to go down quietly with no fear going one on three with these guys. You got to love it, dude. That dude just has no fear, but, uh, Phoenix and Penta making the save after that one. Mox is not deterred, though, man. He is just going after Omega. Locker room's coming out. Um, Young Bucks come out. You and I were texting during the show that Young Bucks and Mox might get together to uh, face these three guys. Kind of looked like it was heading that way. Young Bucks stopping Mox to, uh, you know, essentially stop doing this, and they end up eating super kicks from the Lucha Bros for for their trouble. So Maybe that's indicative that the Lucha Bros and Bucks are going to go out there for the title soon. We all deserve those matches, but they've already wrestled a few times in AEW. Uh, but that was pretty much it. Omega runs out scared after all this mayhem's going down. So that was pretty much that. How'd you like this match? I thought it was great, man. I really like seeing the Good Brothers uh, do some real shit with like a live audience. Because when they're fucking wrestling over on Impact, which we'll get into after Dynamite for the Impact Corner segment... Uh, it was later than I normally do it this week, but I forgot because uh, it's fucking boring. The The matches sound like shit. The, the, there's no audience. There's no sound whatsoever. The commentary sucks, so it's just hard to watch. So them here in this match, it was really, really now, now. nice. Oh, <laughs> now, fuck. Now. It's horrible, dude. Um, but yeah, so the elite. Uh, we'll get into this. So... The Young Bucks in the beginning were talking. They were with Kenny doing a little promo segment. Like, we'll see you out there. And Don Callis is like, no, 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 no. You guys have a great entrance. Just wait here. And you guys will come out in just a second. And Don Callis steals the mic from Justin Roberts as, uh, after he does the big, you know, uh, he, you know, Kenny, all of his, uh, all of the shit he's done. All of his accolades. Yeah. North Carolina. By Did, way of North Carolina. No, he just says, see, uh, there's something he says something random each time like uh is a cousin to somebody who lives in north carolina uh hailing from manitoba canada or winnipeg winnipeg manitoba same yeah, town as jericho yeah so he says yeah from north carolina by way of winnipeg manitoba and i think was it last week was the first time ever that he had been built an aew from canada no he's see I, this is where I think you've got this wrong because I listened to you the other week and I'm like, they always say something weird. Like he took a jet that flew over North Carolina. Like they just put North Carolina in there. He's always been coming from Winnetoba. Winnetoba. Winnipeg. <laughs> God, I say this <laughs> fucked up every single time. 
Hey, uh, we all fuck up, obviously. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. They they're like wrestled somebody that comes from North Carolina, and he, you know, Kenny's out of uh, Winnipeg, uh, Manitoba, Canada, blah blah blah. He always been he's always been said to come from there. The North Carolina thing started. Um, it has to do with somebody that he knows that they're giving shout outs to. I just don't remember what it is. I don't know if it's fucking Don Callis. I don't think it is, but there's something that has to do with in there why they always shout out the North Carolina thing, but it's never been, he's come from North Carolina. That's not a a thing. They just, he's Justin Roberts says it really big. So it sounds like this is where he's coming from, but then they always throw in the Canada spot. Um, but I was sad that it wasn't the heel Young Bucks in this match at all. Like, I wish they would have wrestled with Kenny, had a killer match, and then you get the shenanigans afterwards. But this also brings up the point, are the Young Bucks, since how fucking pissed they look, going to at least wrestle the Good Brothers on Dynamite? Or are they going to go to Impact next week and, and fuck up uh, the Good Brothers? Or are they going to show up at Hard to Kill? And interfere with their match because I think Hard to Kill is this weekend, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I uh, don't know. I'll, I'll I'll catch it afterwards on Daily Motion. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this match was definitely the Good Brothers all the way. Even Kenny Kenny got beat up by Danny Limelight more than he actually did offense. Uh, Danny Limelight is up there, especially with his match with Ray Phoenix. He's got that similar style, the walking the ropes. Uh, kind of stealing Ray Phoenix's gimmick there for a minute. Uh, <laughs> but I, I liked it for what it was. Varsity Blondes definitely look great here. Um, dude, Carl Anderson's a fucking, like, no no joke, a machine. He's he's great. and uh, Repping Cincinnati well there. Yeah, dude, he's he's killer looking. I really like uh, his style and, the ma- and, and everything. Uh, what's his name? Something Gallows, right? What's his name? Luke. Luke Gallows. Yeah. Uh he's got some he's got some messy spots, man. If you if you watch him, he's like he kinda like stutters when he goes to get into his spots. Uh when when it's all the big brawl stuff is all I meant. Not during he's the very, match. He's very diesel esque when Diesel got older, if you will. Kevin when Kevin Nash got older, it's kinda like Luke Gallows getting older, you know. Yeah. Uh but he does great stuff. I like the way he, when he hits people, he does that kind of like that open palm to the side of the face, like uh like Dustin Rhodes does. Uh, when he hits people real big, and or it kind of looks like he goes into the throat a little bit, but it's the way he punches his hands open, and it looks cruel. I don't know why I love him so much, but uh, yeah. The, to sum this all up, uh, the Lucha Bros and Mox versus uh, Kenny and the Good Brothers is going to be one hell of a match. You know that's what that's leading up to, uh, especially the way that they disrespected Ray Phoenix last week. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see that come into play. After this, we had the waiting room uh, on Dynamite with Cody Rhodes um, being the guest this week. And I really love this stuff with Britt Baker that she's doing. I've talked about it uh, when she's been doing it on Dark. So it's great that it gets a Dynamite showcase. Jade Cargill coming out looking like a fucking dime piece. Jesus that's a that's a that's a woman right there. Um, 
coming out there and basically saying she's going to beat Brandy's ass as soon as she's done being pregnant and she needs a, an opponent. Red Velvet, the little Brandy clone coming out and fighting. I mean, putting it right to her, man. It looks it looks like she's not backing down from the, the glamazon that is Jade Cargill, man. The, the just sheesh. Um, as soon as that's done, we get a little promo that... Britt thinks she's rolling the old stuff of Thunder Rosa and it turns into a fucking like cell phone video camera footage of Thunder Rosa cutting a promo on Britt Baker saying yeah. she's going to beat her ass next time she sees her. Um, what do you think about all this stuff? Uh, that's going to be yeah. February 3rd beach break. Uh, yeah. Yeah, dude, a lot of ass is getting beat. Apparently <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what everybody's saying. Um, look, first of all, you got to touch on Britt Baker. She's hilarious, dude. Oh, I don't yeah. know if she's writing her own material, but she delivers it very well. Um, ripping the neck tattoo was hilarious. Um, you got to love the Snoop Cody entrance. Mm, it's so good. It's such a fun entrance. Um, but the whole Jade Cargo thing was great. She is, what she call herself? A badass bitch? I yep. mean, she definitely is. I, I mean, she cut a really good promo. She seemed way more comfortable than her last promo. Asked for the opponent, like you said. Smacking Cody, and then her and Red Velvet just trading legit smacks. It's smacking oh, the yeah. shit that was, out of each other. They were hard as shit. Listen, if Jade can become polished in the ring, she can be Charlotte Flair level dominant. Like mm-hmm. That is the truth here. And it's funny that you say Glamazon because I literally have a note here that she is a cross between Charlotte Flair, Jazz, and Beth Phoenix is what is uh, is what Jade Cargill is. I mean, she is just the full package. It remains to be seen if she can be super consistent in the ring. Um, but if she can, I mean, the sky's the limit for her. I, I mean, I think she's going to become an attraction for AEW. Um, oh, I yeah, love, monster. I in love the, Britt Baker. Yeah, Britt Baker's actually grown on me. It's at the beginning, if don't go back and listen to the first couple episodes if you like Britt Baker, because there's literally 20 minutes of one of the podcasts of me shitting on her so fucking hard. Um, we, yeah, we went we went through Britt Baker phases on this podcast for sure. Uh, but yeah, Jade Cargill, man, I think... She started wrestling because of China. She liked what how China was built. She started getting real big and buff uh, because of her. That's one of her inspirations in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also started training for the WWE. She had no plans on AEW, um, and it just kind of happened. I, I think they weren't going to let her do the fitness program because she's a fitness instructor also on top of it. So I think she would have had to give up that and you know time away from her daughter. Uh, she's got a daughter with like some football player i believe yeah yeah but i mean it's wwe's loss i like i said if she becomes polished she can be charlotte flair dominant and uh charlotte we all know charlotte flair is the best women's wrestler on the the history of this planet i mean there's just there's no doubt about it so Mm -hmm. from from there we moved on to jurassic express which is marco stunt and jungle boy um you know it just reminds me of the time when luchasaurus was injured when we got uh Jungle Boy and, and Marco Stunt, uh, they face FTR. It's really interesting. Jungle Boy doesn't often wrestle the uh, the bigger uh, partner of his tag team because obviously <laughs> usually that's Luchasaurus. So it definitely changed the in-ring psychology for this match, which is cool because Jungle Boy is good at both of them. Um, Dax pummels Marco to start to start this off. They tag early and often. They're just beating up Marco Stunt like you thought they would. Jungle Boy getting a couple hot tags, you know, in this match taking over. Um, cool double team moves, obviously the, the, uh, the dive through the dive through the, uh, legs plus the backflip off the, uh, 
ropes by jungle boy is always really cool but ftr just always coming back and taking control of this match hot tag like i said it's, it's just hot tags for jungle boy the whole time um it's really interesting dax gets the upper hand eventually tully gets involved turns the ties for ftr they hit the big rig on stunt and they pretty much break him in half and they go 14 and one my big problem with marco stunt is it's just not believable i mean i mean let's just be real here i like the kid i think he's good in the ring but it's literally just not believable that he could irish whip somebody that's so much bigger than him across the ring it just really isn't i i, I think i think ftr made him believable tonight i think they made it look so so great in the ring he really did show out and i think Irish whipping, uh, that's the one thing in all of wrestling that is like, I mean, literally you could just tug on somebody's hand and they could just plant their feet. It's it's all about momentum. I get it. But that's one of the other big things. Like, And off, also bouncing off the ropes. They've told us a million times, those ropes aren't bouncy. You have to lean into them and then run back because what those ropes want to do is swallow you when, as soon as you run into them. Uh, mm -hmm. And people talk about the bruises that they have <laughs> when first starting and they have to get calluses on those ropes. So I get what you're saying, but I think I think Marco Stunt as a performer um, is needed. It needs to have that suspended disbelief in wrestling or else all of it, no matter how real and how snug everything gets, uh, just like the fucking Abaddon gimmick. There has to be some kind of showmanship, some kind of suspended disbelief of, hey, maybe this little guy can beat one of the greatest tag teams of all time. They gotta, they have to I give us that I didn't believe bit. it, though. Did you believe it during the match, though? I gotta ask you that. I thought this match was killer. I thought this match I'm was... not saying it was a bad match. I'm not saying it was a bad match. I thought it was a good match. But did you believe that Marco Stunt was going to go over FTR at any point throughout this match? Um, not by himself. I think Jungle Boy could have pulled out the win at some point because he's he's a top notch person. But you know, obviously they're booking this so FTR gets the heel heat after beating down a a small guy. I mean, that's what they've done with WWE when people would beat down Rey Mysterio or any of their small guys uh, in general. I mean, Hornswoggle. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say Hornswoggle had match after match after match, and you know he Irish whipped people. He did all that kind of stuff. So, and I've seen some of his independent stuff, and and it's just the it's not supposed to be uh, solid, you know, fucking mat wrestling and brutal shit every single time. So obviously, this is their entertainment side of FTR showing you that they can work with anybody, any size, whatever. Right, right. And, and and all MMA fans know you can have a Seth Petrozelli beat Kimbo Slice, you know. So, I mean, it is a little guy can beat a big guy for sure. I mean, it's, it's happened in real fights, like I just mentioned. So, um, literally, I just, I, I, the first UFC, go back and watch the very first UFC. And his horse, oh, the guy who crazy. won? Yeah, it's the smallest guy. Yeah, he's tiny compared to this big muscle-bound dickhead. Mm -hmm. And he wins. He chokes him the fuck out. So, I mean, definitely he can win. And that, I, I like that they did this for Marco's stunt for Marco. Because Marco does, when he's out in that ring, gives 110% every single time. He looks better than the women who are in singles matches together. You know what I mean? Or some of these people on Dark who, if anybody 
from dark is listening to this and you don't put a hundred and a million percent into your fucking matches on dark, even though they're dark matches, if you're not putting your all into those matches, you're doing yourself a disservice because that is the reason why people get signed and not signed. Uh, but yeah, that all you had on this yeah. match? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, did you want to take us into Serena Deeb and Ty Conte, or did you want me? I didn't know if you wanted the uh, last match or this next match first. You can go ahead and take it. I'll take the last one. I figured you would. We had a technical <laughs> match classic between Serena Deeb and Ty Conte for the NWA Women's Championships. So I'm going to give you my good notes on this match before I air out my grievances afterward, and I'm sure you're going to have grievances as well. Who doesn't love Ty Conti? First of all, I do love seeing her. We talked about that earlier. There's a lot of nice technical mat work to start this match. Ty Conti just looking more and more comfortable every single week. Um, there was su- it was super captivating. I mean, this was awesome back and forth. They were getting near falls. I think there was eight near falls in this match. They're putting each other in submission holds. They really, really worked well off each other. I think in the, I can't remember which announcer mentioned it, that Serena Deeb was part of the early training for Ty Conti. So it was really great to see them work together. And maybe that's why this match worked so well. Um, again, Serena Deeb underrated, like I said earlier. Um, they essentially, you know, each women, like I said, they trade near falls. Serena Deeb, um, or I'm sorry, Ty Conti attempts to tie KO. Serena Deeb reverses it into the Deeb Tox. I think you said it was called earlier for the win. It was really, really a great match. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of spots. Ty Conti hitting a couple pump kicks. Those always look powerful from her, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from her martial arts background. So I really, really liked this match. I hated, hated that it was for the NWA Women's Championship. I just don't understand why they're not building their own division to put on strong matches like this for their own belt and for their own brand. So... I mean, obviously, Ty Conti's AEWs and Serena Deeb's AEW. So, I mean, anything that's good for these women is good for AEW. I just want to see them build AEW women's storylines outside of the championship. And right now, the only other women's storyline we really have going is the Jade Cargill Brandy, which has been put on hold for nine months. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, it it's definitely weird. I don't know why they're putting over the NWA. I think... I think the only reason they did this for NWA is because they really, really want Thunder Rosa to sign with them once their contract is up. Um, And to maybe, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing here. I know they're trying to make this big powerhouse move to get all these wrestling, um, you know, all, all these wrestling companies to work together to not take down the big WWE machine, but just, to let them know like it's pretty much all versus one right now. Like you guys have nobody else uh, to turn to anymore. And I know triple H was like, we'll work with anybody. That's not true. That's not what you guys are about. You guys don't work with other companies like this. Um, I also think NWAs and they just had a show not too long ago. I don't know what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Nick. Yeah. Nick defended the belt against uh, Brian Pillman jr. Yeah, uh, but who the fuck watched that? <laughs> I watched a replay of it. Yeah, I watched the replay of it, exactly. I'm saying, who who sat up to watch that? Dude, we, we should have driven down to Tennessee on a Thursday to go do that. You know, you with your new baby and me with a new wife. It would have been great. Yeah, exactly. Um, we all watched Wrestle Kingdom, but nobody watched the NWA show. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, it's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, the title being on Dynamite so much is just glorifying 
the NW, it's just keeping their name relevant while they're in this COVID hiatus. And I think that's the only, I think it's a favor. I think that's all it is at this point. Um, but after this, we get into the main event uh, of the night. It was Brian Cage versus Darby Allen for the newly polished uh, black TNT championship i really love the way that that belt looks it makes everything pop even the polished silver behind the tnt is now black tinted so it really just fine-tuned uh i like the red belt but this is to me looks like a way better belt and and who better to to wear this the darkness belt of uh than than darby allen he makes this shit look cool too um this match was bonkers this was absolutely insane i mean cage dominated uh through most of this uh he caught him in a fucking tope into a suplex literally mid tope caught him straight on and then picked him up walked up the set of stairs threw him back into the ring slammed him all over the place there was a belly to belly that looked like it almost split him in fucking half um the three power bombs from fucking Brian Cage uh, to for a one count? Like, who the fuck? Darby Allen, it, he just gets through the, the fucking hurricane that is uh, Brian Cage in this match. Uh, then it all gets turned around once those steel steps get in use. Uh, Brian Cage uh, does a back uh, bump onto him, and, and Darby Allen finishes it off with a coffin drop onto the steel steps. Dude, if he would have missed... Like, I mean, just a little bit. That would have been so fucking bad for Darby Allen. Um, there was a code red in there by Darby. Uh, Starks uh, getting involved at one point. Sting! Sting! It's Sting! Coming out, uh, hitting Starks with the bat twice, getting him out of the fucking way. Um, then there was a crucifix bomb off the fucking top rope. Darby Allen getting the pin off of Brian Cage and still TNT champion. This was this was awesome to me. This was everything I wanted from them too. Um, what did you have on this? Yeah, I thought it was a super fun match. Um, I've got a lot of notes about Brian Cage dominating the first part. The one couple spots that you missed, the overhead press toss through the table. Oh, which yeah. is unbelievable to the outside. That, that was, was nuts. Um, that was such an impressive show of strength, equal to that like standing like dominant brain buster toss that you referenced when he climbed up the stairs, like holding him in brain buster position, you know, mm-hmm. and effectively just tossing him into the ring. Dude, not only did he kick out uh, no sell those triple power bombs and kick out at a one. I don't know if you know this. Brian Cage hit an F five in the middle of this also, yep. and Darby Allen kicks out after one. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like Brock <laughs> Lesnar puts everybody out to the F five, and Darby Allen kicks out of Brian Cage's F five after one. So, um, they're clearly frustrated. Cage, you mentioned Darby gaining control. Cage takes the back bump, followed up by a coffin drop. Um, God, bite! He bit Cage a couple times in this match, actually, yep. as well. So, oh, like, yeah. really, you know just being scrappy, you know, utilizing everything he can. Uh, you know, he tied up his legs with the belt. As you mentioned, hits that code red for the near fall. Team Taz gets involved. Sting comes out for the save. I'll give you a couple Sting notes here in a minute. Um, Cage took back over for a hot second. He looked like he was about to hit a huge suplex at the top rope. Darby hits that crucifix bomb, as you mentioned earlier. They replayed that a couple times. He doesn't get Cage all the way over when he's like, 
bombing him off and it looks like cage lands on the side of darby's ribs 280 uh, you know, pounds like, landing straight on the fucking darby dude i know i'm i'm hoping he's okay oh yeah i i purposefully didn't cover everything because i noticed the last couple matches i went through everything and you were like well you hit everything on here so i was like i'm <laughs> I gonna make sure that, i leave man. a couple things for you <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that it was a, that was a super fun match um like i said hope darby's ribs are okay because he definitely got landed on announcers did a great job pointing out that he the way he crucifixed him and bombed him and had him pinned like brian cage was working against the weight of his own body to try to get out and he yep. only had just like no room to do that so it was a brilliant brilliant way to get a pin um not a traditional darby pin um you know that that does dynamite for us there's a couple things i wanted to say something about sting real quick why the hell does this guy keep dressing up to come out and do the same things every week you know you talk guys like who aren't wrestling like you see you know you saw team taz like starks and your powerhouse hobbs like they're dressed down they're not in their gear but every time sting comes out he does the exact same thing. He's dressed the exact same way, and he's not wrestling. I mean, what are we doing here? Why is he dressing up? Why is he putting his face paint on only just to come out and hit people with bats? I just I want to see more from him. They're just doing kind of the same thing with him every week at this point, and I think that's kind of getting old to me. That's all I have to say about that. Did you watch WCW? No, I get it. I get it. I get it. But the point of he AEW was, is was... not to fall into old tricks. But he was up in a rafter for a year. Before they actually I, did something with him. And he would come down, uh, you know, from there every once in a while. But he sat up in that thing every single night for a fucking, not every single night, but every single episode for a year straight no, before they finally I, did I something get it. with him. I get it. But you and I, you and I both know, one, they're not going to recycle storylines. So even if they're trying to like pay homage to that, you just, again, you can't fall into the same traps, you know, that frustrate people eventually. Because I think... You know, and and me, I think I have. I'm probably a little less tolerant, only because I've been watching, you know, so so much programming. You know, especially since I started doing my podcast, I'm just watching a ton of programming. And I think the thing that I find irritating about some shows in general is just like wasted time. Now, AEW is very minimal compared to their competitors. A lot of wasted time and a lot of other promotions. So, you know, to me, that was my only gripe actually for the entire show, minus the whole. AEW not building their own AEW women's storylines, but overall a freaking awesome show. There was a, a lot of great action. Um, and they announced the card for next week. We have that inner circle triple threat tag tag match that we talked about earlier. Matt Seidel and top flight versus Hardy and private party. Uh, we have dark order and hangman versus chaos project and hybrid two. They said Mox is going to be wrestling. And then uh, the return of Nyla Rose, she's going to be wrestling legit Layla Hirsch. So that's what we got on tap for next week's dynamite so far. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, suspecting that they're going to be announcing more matches as it comes beach break seems like it's going to be awesome it's going to be in miami uh they're going to move things down there for six weeks i think of programming that way uh you know breaks up the monotony that they have there i think the morale just needs a boost uh in that roster since the passing of Brody lee so this is going to be great we actually get a beach break uh hopefully at the beach uh because they can't go on the cruise this year because you know covid and shit uh so hopefully it's still called you know chris jericho's rockin wrestling rager at three or no at at sea part three or whatever it is. I think it had another name to it, but yeah. I, and they, I mean, they might put the ring in the ship and still do some matches from there. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I think they have a location that they haven't disclosed. The only reason I'm really excited by about this is that they're going to go there, shoot a bunch of content. Uh hopefully that the talent has a bigger morale boost, but you won't have that fucking Reddit guy uh going to Daily's place and spoiling all the fucking shows. What is his name? Like Space Station something whatever the fuck. Stupid moron. Stop spoiling wrestling shows because they're taped. We obviously know this is COVID. Shit's taped sometimes. Spoiling it is no fun. You're not doing anybody a service. Nobody. Not even yourself. You're just making yourself look like a piece of shit. Uh, But that was Dynamite. Uh, So you guys know what happens after Dynamite. Let's get right into the official match of the week. The official match of the week for me is going to be this main event, Brian Cage versus Darby Allen, the TNT championship match. I thought it was just killer. Everything happened uh, in this match that I would like to see them do. Brian Cage looked incredible, really showing his strength here, showing how small Darby Allen really is. And Darby Allen doing what he does best, working from the the beat down, you know, just let's pull out everything that we have, never quit, uh, just badass that he is. So that is my match of the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Darby does work work from under very well. I got to shout out the Serena D versus Ty Conti match, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Pac versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, always great to see Pac in the ring. Eddie Kingston is a guy that you can get behind, busted his ass for 18 years to earn a spot here. Um, and you can see why in the ring. He's just an all-around great brawler, great bruiser. These two dudes have wicked chemistry with each other. Uh, just a, a freaking awesome match. So that's going to be my match of the week. I think that about does it for us, guys. You guys can find Zach at the Canned Heat Podcast every Monday. He drops new episodes. Uh, he's got great interviews. Check out uh, he's on episode four coming up, right? Yeah, I just dropped episode four this past Monday on the 11th. Yep. Um, we uh, I interviewed Delmi Exo of Team C Stars. I've I've shouted out Team C Stars um, when I was doing uh, 100% Elite with you all the time. I I shouted out one of their tag team matches. Uh, you also might have seen them on the Impact Knockouts uh, tag team tournament circuit. They lost in the first round, but it was really good to see them uh, get time. And of course, their sister Ashley Vox making her dark debut. Uh, the other week so that uh, a lot of big things coming for those ladies episode four uh, so far it's actually been my most streamed episode so i'm really thankful for that um you know i won't get too much into it i give you kind of all the info but just be advised you can find me on canheatpodcast.com i got all the links to all the social medias on there the links to the podcast episodes and all that good stuff so it's all in all in one nice location canheatpodcast.com and i'll just give you my number 513-580-7273 give me a call anytime on there I greatly appreciate you giving me the time to come back and chat with you. I've missed this on a weekly basis uh, running my own podcast. I can confidently say that, especially with everything you got going on, there's no way we could have made this work on a, on a <laughs> weekly basis. So, oh yeah, uh, I, I just on air want to tell you that I'm thankful for the time that you that you gave me for you know the last year during COVID helped me help me have some purpose outside of you know everything that was going on. It's crazy. So it was always good getting with you every single week and, and just kind of forgetting about all that and talking wrestling. You really recultivated my love of wrestling and my love of all things wrestling and not just being, you know, stuck and pigeonholed into one thing. I've loved getting reinvolved in it and 
talking with the independent wrestlers and interacting people with people on social media. And I just can't thank you enough for that. And like I said, thank you for the opportunity to come back and talk to you this week. I hope we can do it more again soon. Um, I know we'll probably do uh, Re- after revolution. I'm sure we'll get on and talk to each other. Yeah. Um, so um, until then guys, uh, it's been, it's been a blast here with you, Jeff. And I, again, thank you very much for having me on. No problem, man. Uh, yeah, whenever we, whenever I get time, because <laughs> we even had to stop uh, twice in this because my daughter came running out. Dad, I need a snack, <laughs> string cheese or something. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, whenever we uh, get time like this, uh, it, it definitely would be great to have you back on. Uh, we'll be doing it for sure. Definitely pay per views. That's definitely a team team thing. Plus, it's a Saturday night that they normally air those. So that's easy, easy time to do a podcast. Um, but, yeah, you guys can catch me on Twitter at jengler88 or the official 100% Elite po- Podcast Twitter page. Why am I stuttering? At 100 Elite Pod. Uh, and that about does it see ya